What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids, because let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant and Jerry Rollins lurking um, in the background. And this is Stuff You Should Know. Smarty Pants edition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're doing Mensa, right? Oh, God, no. I thought, we were, <laughs> I thought we were doing a cage-free redux. Oh, no. Uh, yes, this is about Mensa. That's what I have pulled up, too, Chuck, so this works out just fine. All right, let's do it. So um, Dave Roos helped us out with this one, and um, he mentioned uh, <clears throat> a bit of news that if you looked up Mensa recently, it would be hard to miss. But I, I believe it was their youngest member ever was inducted into Mensa. Mensa, by the way, um, for those of you who don't know, is bills itself as the high IQ society. It stands for, oh, wait, it doesn't stand for anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, which is super smart if you stop and think about it. Yeah, it feels um, like it should be an acronym, but it's not. Definitely. I'm with you. But it, we'll just go ahead and say it. It means table in Latin. Yeah. And in Spanish slang, it's a female goofball or dumb person, strangely enough. Oh, the ironies. Had tip to Dave Roos for pointing that one out. Yeah. So, as I was saying, it's a high IQ society. It's a society for smarty pants, as you put it. And yep. they, inducted, they inducted their youngest member recently, who uh, was two years old. Two years yeah. old. I mean, Sure. <laughs> And they don't, so they don't discriminate by age, which is great, bully for them. And I believe on their website, they say their their membership ranges in ages uh, two to 102. I knew they were going to say that. And I wonder if there's like 104-year-old Mensa members, like, what the F? Yeah, I just, I didn't fit in with the, the cool, uh, whatever, it's not even a rhyme. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've always Word felt play. really bad about um, the people in, uh, what, what is that Christmas song? Kids from one to ninety-two. Oh. It's yeah, like ninety-three-year-olds still appreciate <laughs> Christmas. You know why? Cut that whole group out. Then yeah. you stop and think. This is written in the mid-century, and there was like almost no one living to ninety-two because they were all having coronaries from <laughs> cigars and scotches and, yeah. and steaks all at once. It's kind of a random age, though. 
It is, but it, it rhymed, which is what yeah, exactly. I think Mensa did here too. But regardless, this two-year-old, Kashi Quest, um, just cues a button, has an IQ of 146, which means she's got it all, basically. And with an IQ of 146, that puts her well above the minimum requirement to be accepted into Mensa, which is usually about an IQ of about 132. Yeah. Uh, so you may have seen that in the news. If you And, uh, you know, Dave is right to point out, if you mention Mensa, the first thing most people will say, and I don't know how this got so into the public consciousness. I do. But they will generally say, oh, you know, Gina Davis is a Mensa member. Mm-hmm. Uh, she must have mentioned it in an interview or something, but it, it's been a long time because I've heard that for a long, long time as like the sort of go-to fact for Mensa. Yeah. I also heard another thing about Jean Davis. She used to bake cookies and bring them to like meetings. She was well known for that as well. <laughs> I heard another thing about Gina Davis because our, our friend and friend of the show, Jesse Thorne, mm-hmm. interviewed her on his great interview show, uh, Bullseye. Mm-hmm. And he said – that Gina Davis is the best person. Mm-hmm. And he said she is exactly what you hope she would be. And everyone just felt like it was their cool aunt. Oh, that's pretty cool. Everyone in the office, like she was just the nicest person. Yeah. And it, she sounds like the kind of person who would bake cookies uh, in her Mensa style. Yeah. I, and Jesse Thorne's hearing this and is like, hey, she didn't bring cookies to our meeting. <laughs> Maybe she did. <laughs> so, um, so, yes, Gina Davis is world renowned as the. Uh, the most famous member of Mensa, even though plenty of famous people have been members of Mensa over the years. Bucky Fuller, Arthur C. Clarke was the vice president of Mensa International for a while. Sharon Stone famously told people in the 90s that she was in Mensa and oh, did was she finally lie? called out by Mensa saying like, no, you're not in Mensa. Ugh. Yes, she did lie, apparently for a good decade until somebody finally said something about it. And then James Woods is often confused as a member of Mensa, but I don't believe he actually is. Uh, who else? The the guy who created the antivirus software, McAfee, mm-hmm. John McAfee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, there's there's a handful of people. And then, as we'll talk about later, there are a lot of journalists who say, "Well, I qualified to be in Mensa, but I didn't want to be involved." Yeah, because that's the one thing about Mensa is a lot of the popular press that's done on that group takes easy pot shots at them because yeah. they are a group of, of they're a high IQ group and they're by definition very smart people. Sure. But also in joining a club like that, it bestows a bit of an air of superiority onto you. So there's a, yeah. there's a, a certain undercurrent of that. And so people who write about them or cover them usually take pot shots at them and generally lump them all into one big group. But that's not necessarily fair to say because they are a varied collection of people for sure. There are weird undercurrents that are distasteful here or there. Um, But overall, um, they seem to be okay from what I can tell. Yeah, and there are all kinds of mensons, which is what they're called, uh, from all kinds of backgrounds and socioeconomic strata. Uh, I guess we could break down the – percentages here, if you want to get specific, uh, mm-hmm. it is 66% uh, male. This is from their stats. 34% female. Uh, 82% have a four-year degree or more. 63% graduate degree or more. 38% boomers. 31% Gen X. 13 millennial. And then the rest. Uh, but it's <laughs> like not... Like Gilligan? <laughs> it's not a big group, though. Um, like, their total membership is... 
a little less than 150,000 worldwide, uh, with about 50,000 of those being in the States uh, and 19,000 being in the UK where it was founded. But it's uh, a lot more people could be in Mensa mm-hmm. that aren't in Mensa. Does that make yeah, sense? Dave did the math as if to show off that he could be a member of Mensa if he wanted to. But what Mensa membership means is that you uh, have tested in uh, aptitude for intelligence within the top 2% of people. Right. So in the United States, say there's 300 million, just to make it easy, but I think there's much more than that now. Um, that would be 6 million people who would uh, who would qualify as members of Mensa, and yet, like you said, there's only about 50,000 in there. Yeah, I mean, and I get if some people think that's a weird thing to say because you still have to take these tests. You have to be good at test taking. Uh, but if you just go by numbers of the top 2% of intelligence, then sure. Yes, but it also reveals something that it's not for everybody. Like just by virtue of being smart or testing really well on an intelligence test, that doesn't mean you automatically want to be a member of a group that that shares that oh, thing yeah. in common. That's an extra, there's a very slight tranche of people who qualify or who would qualify who actually do want to join Mensa. But the ones who do join Mensa seem to tremendously enjoy it and feel very accepted and happy there. Yeah, and that's also in itself a pot shot that journalists have taken uh, commonly, which is uh, these are people who who are smart enough to be in Mensa and want to be able to tell everybody that they're in Mensa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure there is some of that to some degree. There are people that like to to flaunt their Harvard degree or, you know, drop the H-bomb, as they say, or, or their Ivy League education or their Mensa membership. But I'm sure there are, out of 150,000 people, there are lots of Gina Davises that probably are just like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in that, but it's really no big deal. Yeah. The worst of the worst are people who are in Mensa, went to Harvard, no. are on keto, <laughs> oh. and are into CrossFit. Oh, God. Make it stop. And, yeah, who, uh, and who recently quit social media. Can you imagine? Yeah. I can't. Party of one. <laughs> Should we talk about the history? Yes. Party of one. That's a good joke. Uh, so Mensa got its start in 1946, uh, like I mentioned, in the U.K., and it sort of happened by chance on a train. Uh, there was a postgrad student from Oxford named Lancelot Ware who was coming home for Christmas break, shared mm-hmm. a cabin with a 50-year-old named Roland Beryl or Beryl. And uh, Beryl was like, oh, you go to Oxford. You know what? I wanted to go to Oxford. I couldn't get into Oxford. And it sort of haunted me. And uh, he said, you know, I'm into all kinds of stuff, though. I'm a smart guy. I'm into phrenology and astrology. And <laughs> Ware smart. said, that's that's very interesting. Uh, I'm into testing intelligence, uh, the younger Lancelot said. He said, I was in the Army uh, in Britain, and we did aptitude testing on troops. I became fascinated by it. When I went to Oxford, I was surrounded by smart people. And I thought it would be really cool to form – uh, a high IQ society within a school of people that were already super intelligent. And Beryl said, very interesting. Huh. I envisioned him clapping his hands together and saying, splendid. <laughs> okay, sure. Because you left something out about him. Uh, one of the things that usually is touted about um, what what uh, Beryl was into, or Beryl, um, is that he had a plan to make all men 
uh, wear very brightly colored clothing. I yeah. could not, for the life of me, find out why or what the <laughs> point was. But it's it definitely happy. a thing. Yeah. So so why. so uh, Burrell said, you know, this is a very great idea. I think we should we should explore this further. And young Lancelot Ware, uh, postdoc. A uh, student at Oxford said, well, you know, older gentlemen who I've only just met on this train, why don't you come stay with me at Oxford when I get back to school after Christmas break? And Burrell took him up on it. And um, it was there that they hatched the plan for Mensa after uh, Burrell was given an intelligence test um, by Lancelot Ware. <laughs> and when when Lancelot Ware calculated the results and said, Mr. Burrell, you are within the top 1% of all people in terms of intelligence, uh, uh, it's widely reported that Roland Burrell cried because he was so happy and touched by that. Right, and had funding uh, to start this thing up, which was key. And so how it really went down was he told them that he cried and said, oh, can I see the results? And where quickly wadded them up and said, that's not important. (laughs) Take my word for it. You're in the top 1%. Uh, Make the checkout to moi. And Burrell said, splendid. (laughs) Uh, But they needed a name. And like you said, uh, they landed on Mensa. I think initially they wanted to call it um, capital M-E-N-S, which was short for the Mental Health Society. That's that's not even close. No, it's pretty Where's the H? Yeah, where's the H? Uh, and also, there was, I think, a uh, an, a gentleman's magazine called Men's. Uh, <laughs> that's in scare quotes. And yeah. so they said, "Well, how about Mensa, which, uh, like you pointed out, is Latin for table?" Mm-hmm. Because I just envision us like all these smarty pants sitting around a round table talking about wonderful things. And they said, "I guess they said, sure, that's as good a name as any." So originally, if you've ever seen that Simpsons episode where Lisa joins Mensa, um, I don't remember that one. It's it's a pretty good one. Uh, it's a cautionary tale about um, Mensa letting a, an intelligent elite determine the fate of everybody else at the it, <laughs> while just completely discounting anyone who's not an intelligent elite, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and like comic book guy and Doctor Hibbert and a couple other characters, sideshow Mel, they're all in they're all in Mensa with her, and they basically take over the town, if I'm not mistaken, and it just goes awry. It ends up going terribly awry. Um, but that's kind of originally what Lancelot Ware and Roland Bur- Burrell were um, were envisioning when they founded Mensa. This group of the most intelligent uh, Britishers. Britons, that's how I say it. Yeah, um, in in the UK, who would kind of be assembled to be a group that the government or scientific projects or whoever wanted to tap their intelligence could tap their intelligence. That was the original idea for Mensa. That's right. Uh, and by the way, the keen-eared listener would have just picked up on my one-word impression of Julius Ebert. What did you say? I'm not going to repeat it. Scott, you got to be a keen listener. Oh, man. So, uh, if you heard it, then hats off to you. You're not allowed to rewind if you're listening at home. Can I rewind? You can't rewind. Nobody can rewind. You had to have heard it live. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, and like two people will have gotten it. And that's one fine. Person and the rest of good. us are all mad now. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I'll do it for you off mic. Uh, so yeah, they wanted, they wanted a kind of a, from the sounds of it, almost like a Rolodex 
of Smarties mm-hmm. uh, because they wanted to not just have that list, but they even said in their charter they wanted it in the hands of anthropologists and ministers of the crown. Like they wanted people that mattered to have this list on hand. Mm-hmm. Like who do who do, you know? I need a smart person. Let me look at my Mensa list. Uh, and their goal, I think, did you mention, was 600 people uh-huh. uh, with their contact information so they could get in touch. And it took them 13 years uh, to get to that that benchmark in 1959 <laughs> is when they finally got it. Uh, and it wasn't until some American expats joined in England, got written up by the Village Voice and the New York Times, that it kind of really started to uh, gain a little bit more traction in the states and then around the world. So it's it's crazy that it took them 13 years to what 1959 to hit 600 because right after that, and I guess it was because of the interest among Americans um, that initially started out, like you said, with expats, and then after a couple of articles captured everybody else's attention, um, that it just took off. Like if you saw a chart, it would look like that hockey stick of um, of global warming. I think it is. <laughs> Remember that from the 90s, the hockey stick graph? Sure. So that's pretty much what Mensa um, membership would look like from 1959 to to 1960. Um, And it was largely thanks to a few people um, over the years. But one of the first people who really kind of helped Mensa take off as an organization was a guy named John Codella, who was an American PR guy. Um, And he took this group that was— it almost had like fraternity-like origins. Like apparently, Roland Burrell um, had a uh, like part of the the early rules was to have a woman seated on a throne wearing a leopard skin and nothing else. Okay. Um, as part of the meetings, like it was, it had that kind of vibe to it. Sure, sure that vibe. <laughs> and when Cadella, sure, you know, and it kind of Anton Lavey vibe. I oh. Guess. Um, and so when John Cadella um, came in the picture, he like kind of dusted off all that stuff and um, turned it into a legitimate type of, of organization. Definitely legitimized it, if not made it legitimate. Right. So in 59, they had 600. By 67, a mere eight years later, uh, it had swelled up to 12,000 mm-hmm. and change. And, uh, you know, that he would get people on TV. It was that kind of thing. Like he was a genuine PR guy. So... All of a sudden, there were Mensa members, some very charismatic, that were being sort of bandied about in articles and on television. Well, there's and, one in particular. He was the the chairman, I believe, and he was the guy who I think would go on like Johnny Carson and stuff like that. That's right. That's what I was talking about. Victor uh, <laughs> Serebriakov? I think so. I've seen it seen it compared to Cerebrum or Cerebral. So I think it's Cerebriakov. Yeah, there's an extra vowel in there that's gumming up the works. That's right up my alley, though. (laughs) Should we take a break? Sure. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. 
I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. That's right. It's even in the name. Use code STUFF20 at checkout to receive $20 off your first month. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Yep. Again, use promo code STUFF20 and you'll receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Save on wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Hey, everybody, it's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website, whether it's an online course or custom merch. Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one time fee or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com slash stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code stuff to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. So Mem- uh, Memba, Mensa is gaining Memba's very <laughs> steadily. Uh, it is growing throughout the decades. Uh, you could, if you wanted to be a member, you could mail them some money. And I, I know a cynical view would be like they're just like trying to make money, but it's an organization that that you know that needs money to run. Um, I doubt if they like are have some super rich. Uh, fund that they dig into because when you look at the things they do, it's really nothing like super lavish. They don't have like yacht parties and stuff from what I can tell. 
<laughs> no, but I, I've never run across any kind of intimation that it's a money-making scheme of any sort. Yeah, I just mean for the listener, like, uh, oh, yeah, mail them a check and they'll send you a test. But mm-hmm. that's how it works. You mail them a check back in the day. Mm-hmm. They would send you a test. Um, they, I think it was uh, Cerebrikov who said, you know what we can also do is we can have these supervised, like actually someone would come and administer a test. Uh, it would be a little more official. It might cost a little more money. Uh, we need a constitution. So they said, not a bad idea. And if you read their constitution, the three tenets are really pretty great. It's uh, identify and foster human intelligence for the benefit of humanity. No problem Check. there. Uh, encourage research in the nature, characteristics, and uses of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Check. And provide a stimulating intellectual and social environment for members. Sounds good to me. Yeah, of course. And then number four, force breeding of people according to intelligence. Yeah, no problems, right? <laughs> no, they didn't do that. No. So, um, the there was kind of a heyday, it seems like, uh, in the 60s, I think. And apparently there was a lot of tension at first between UK and US. And um, within just a couple of years of coming on the scene, the Kansas City chapter staged a revolt against the UK headquarters. They grabbed their six shooters and... <laughs> Basically, I saw that they launched like a poison pen attack where they, they would really? write. Yes, they would write the employers of these Mensa like higher ups and like and basically accuse them of terrible stuff. And and finally got the American chapters to basically be in, independent and equal. Um, and that formed Mensa International. But the, the 60s were kind of a heyday. The 70s seemed to be ho-hum. And then apparently the 80s took off because um, from what I saw in this article, and I can't remember what, what maybe the Independent from 1996, it, it said that the, the kind of the through line of an organization like Mensa, the idea that some people are just naturally more intelligent than others mm-hmm. really jibes with that Reagan-Thatcher era of mentality of um, of getting away from the idea that, you know, you can achieve if you're given the right kind of stuff. It's like, no, you got this problem over here. We got the, you know, we're over here. We're not going to help you because why would we? Because you're, you're beyond help. You're not naturally gifted. That kind of conservative uh, uh, thread that was really present in the, in the Thatcher Reagan 80s made Mensa a lot more respectable or a lot more appealing during that time from when I saw yeah, and I think in England it, it peaked in the nineties, uh, or nineteen ninety specifically, mm-hmm. with about thirty thousand there, and now is fewer than twenty thousand. So uh, Dave said, you know, some of this might be, you know, the the Mensa image problem might be to blame, uh, but you know, it's just one of those organizations. It's going to have its ups and downs over the years, I'm sure, as far as uh, membership numbers, you know. Yeah. So um, how do you get in, Chuck? If you want to get into Mensa. What do you do, Hotshot? You bake some cookies for Gina Davis. Sure, <laughs> that doesn't hurt. Uh, no, you. It's really easy, actually. Uh, in in practice, you just need to score within the top two percent mm-hmm. of an intelligence test, and the, it's it's not like you can just take any intelligence test. It depends on. Um, well, I mean, now there's an official Mensa test, right? That that you take, but. Uh, there are also other IQ tests that can qualify, uh, the Stanford-Binet test, uh, the Cattell 3B test. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we should hold off on sort of the 
the big reveal, the big twist here for another few minutes. Okay. Uh, We'll keep that in our hip pocket. I can't wait to know what that is. (laughs) uh, An official from your country will administer uh, their test to you. And uh, it takes a couple hours if you take the official Mensa test. These are those, if you've ever taken an IQ test, you know, it's not like uh, the SAT. It's it's a logic and reasoning test generally. Uh, And the questions are things like, uh, you're you're doing a lot of sequencing, like look yeah. at these shapes, which shape would come next, which number would come next. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does test verbal intelligence and vocabulary and stuff like that. Uh, math is a part of it. Uh, but it's timed, which is one of the big sort of, uh, not caveats, but the, the big thing you have to remember is you have to be a good test taker and you have to be able to take tests under pressure, timed pressure. Right. Like that one scene in Swordfish with poor, poor Hugh Jackman. I didn't see that. You didn't miss much at all. Okay. So um, that's the standard Mensa test, Mensa admissions test. Um, and some people say, well, hold on. If you're a non-native English speaker and you're in America, that that's, those tests are have been shown to be biased toward certain people, usually based on language. So Mensa also administers what's called the culture fair test. Yeah. And it's nothing F-A-I-R, but F A I R weirdly. Yeah, it's nothing but shapes and symbols and um, you know what what comes next kind of thing. Uh, and I took a test like that. It was I think Norwegian in origin, and I got to like question six before I'm like I have no idea whatsoever what shape would come next. The first few I was like, oh okay, I can do this, and then it just got so increasingly difficult that I just I just stopped. I just had no idea what was next. Was this recently? Um, you did that for this. Yeah, it was yesterday, um, and I, I had a little little blood coming out of my ear. I felt really disoriented, and I woke up in a pool of my own urine. Yeah, I, uh, you can also take a, a thirty minute online like Mensa workout thing for free, mm-hmm. uh, which is sort of just a an uh, amuse bouche uh, <laughs> to see if you might want the full deal. A gift uh, of the chef. I thought about taking one of these for this episode, and then I was like, I don't want to. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's it, that's I think another thing too is like this this like taking a test like that is probably up your alley if you're interested in becoming a Mensa member. Yeah, I don't think I'm great at tests like that and maybe mm-hmm. I don't want to know that I am or am not. <laughs> maybe I'm just happy with my life. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm happy doing my New York Times crossword and spelling bee and playing Wordle and that's good enough for me. I think that's fine. I mean, it's not like you're proving anything to anybody by becoming a member of Mensa, except maybe to yourself. I tried. I mean, honestly, I was like, oh, that'll be fine. I'll take it, and I'll embarrass myself to our listeners by saying what I scored. And every time I went to do it, I went, I don't want to do this. Yeah, I'm with <laughs> so you. I, so I didn't do it. So they, there's a there's a whole hook to that whole thing. Uh, a catch, I guess, is what you'd say <laughs> if you use the right word. Um you can take those tests, the standard test or the culture fair test, once, one time each. That's a big and if, one. And if you don't pass, yeah, meaning you don't score in the top 2% of uh, the average American, um, you can never take those tests again. Like, you yeah. just have been denied admission into Mensa through those tests. There is another way. There's a backdoor man way. That <laughs> is is what I think they call it at Mensa. Yeah, this was the thing we were keeping in our hip pocket. Uh, you don't have to take this test 
because two thirds, two thirds of all members did not take that official Mensa test. They, uh, you can also pay a fee, not just people like what pay like a thousand bucks to get in. No, pay your regular forty dollar fee, and they can accept results from about 150 different standardized intelligence tests that they evaluate uh, based on, you know, the general population. So they'll basically just say, give us your test that you took. We'll see if you're in the top 2% and you can get in that way. That's a big backdoor. It sure is a big backdoor, Chuck. Um, So uh, one of the ways that you could get in is if you qualified for your high school's gifted program. Or if you're a super smarty pants, your middle school or even elementary school's gifted program, they gave you a bunch of different intelligence tests back then. If your school didn't burn down in a fire, uh, it's possible they still have those records and you could have them via a a sealed envelope from the school uh, sent to uh, send your, your test results to Mensa. Mensa will check it out and be like, yep. You're in, buddy. You're in. Now, question about these gifted programs. Does that mean like the AP classes? Yes. yes. All right. Here's the deal, my friend. Oh, okay. I was in AP English and AP oh, yeah? History. Okay. And then when I saw, and we'll go ahead and mention this, you can submit your SAT and ACT scores, your GRE and your LSATs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if between 80, I'm sorry, between 74 and 94, Right. If you scored a 1250 or higher on the SAT, you would get into Mensa even retroactively. Yeah. And buddy, I scored an 1170. I'm I wasn't as far off as I thought. Oh, that's great. You're not in Mensa, but that's great. No, but if I would have known that back then, I might have tried a couple of more times. I took mm-hmm. it once. I took it once too. I got a 1090. That's good too. No, it's it's average. No, no, no. 1090, I think. I think anything that breaks 1000 is on the higher side, not high, high, but it's higher than average, right? I don't, I don't think so. I think that's pretty comfortably right in the middle of average. They don't even score it that way anymore, though, right? No, they don't. So up to after ninety four, they won't accept your SAT scores anymore because the SAT switched from testing general intelligence to testing what you'd learned in school thus far. So it was like a mm. it went from being like an IQ test basically to a um an exit exam for for high school is, uh, is kind I think of what I w- they changed it. Would to. do worse on that kind of test actually. Would have done worse. Yeah, I think I took the the intelligence one. I don't remember because it's it, I definitely took it in well now I probably would have right taken it before 94. I probably would have taken it in like 93. I think so, you probably yeah. would have taken it your sophomore or junior year, right? Yes. Yeah, so it was probably 92, 93 that I took. So I took the the original intelligence test, and I, I got a 1090. And it doesn't feel great, Chuck. I, I feel good <laughs> saying it out loud, but it doesn't uh-huh. feel great. Uh, well, that got, I mean, that was back then very easy to get into the University of Georgia. Uh, it's a lot harder now. They've really tightened, tightened it down. Yeah, because of the hope. Grant, which started the year I started to try to get in. So it, it oh. got hard to get into Georgia the year that I started to try. Yeah, I was. And like, I got to tell you, so when I showed up with my 1090 uh, SAT score, they said, keep walking, pal. Did you, do you remember your high school GPA? What? <laughs> Are you pleading the fifth? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I don't remember my GPA. I want to say... It was, uh, it wasn't, I mean, my brother, I think, was a 4-0. Of course. But uh, 
I think I was like a three two or something. Oh, that's low, good. That's, low threes. I mean, it was that's pretty great. Slightly above average. I think it was like a would, student. I would think mine was probably lower than that. Like, I was not at all interested in school. I liked history. I thought earth science was pretty cool. No you big got smart surprise. later, huh? It wasn't until I got to college and yeah. wanted to, like, go to college. I just suddenly, like, turned from Saul to Paul all of a sudden uh, as far as college is concerned and just completely started to take things seriously and got interested in learning. And it was then that I started to become, like, a 4.0 student in, in college. Not not at all in high school. I was not never a 4.0 student. Uh, well, I went to some easy colleges on the way to Georgia. Well, so, my deal was I— and I still am like this. I have a hard time tackling anything with enthusiasm that I, I don't want to do. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've always been that way since I was a kid. And so I, in my English classes, I made A's and B's. Mm-hmm. And in my non-major classes, not all of them, but the ones I wasn't super into, I made C's and a D or two. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I have those under my belt, too, especially math. And it wasn't oh, because sure. I wouldn't try. I just genuinely couldn't get math. Yeah. And one of the best things I ever did as far as math is concerned was I took geometry twice in high school. Mm. And the second time, it just clicked. Like I understood. Like I was walking around like I was Pythagoras all of a sudden (laughs) at high school. I just understood geometry that second time around. It was really cool. It was a great feeling to to just have something like yeah. that click that was so foreign That's and awesome. so difficult before. All of a sudden, I just understood it the second time around. Well, and we went to school in an era when, uh, boy, there were not a lot of accommodations made for different kinds of learning at all, uh, much less different learning disabilities. And uh, it was just, it was a different time. There, there's so much better now about you know, every kid learns in their own way, and uh, and we can try and accommodate that. And in a lot of schools, not every school, obviously, still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, I can't remember. I guess it was probably the NBC nightly news, the national news. They have like a, a sweet human interest story, like at the end of every every show. Mm-hmm. And they had one recently, and it was about an integrated school. In that, like, they didn't separate kids with like learning disabilities or. Um, um, physical, uh, uh, I don't even know what you call it. Differences, thank you. Um, and kids who don't have those, like they were all in the same class together. And I was like, holy cow, that's a huge improvement. Yeah. You know, because they used to be like, if you had facial differences yeah. and no cognitive disability whatsoever, just facial differences, they would put you in a class yeah, with other people. all you people. get over here, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, like, it was like the dark ages in in the 80s and 90s, even, you know, when we were in school. Um, But the, uh, the, like, now they're just integrating kids, at least in this one school. I thought it was so cool. But it was based on this Instagram post where this this little kid, I think he was probably about five or six, has cerebral palsy. And he just had a little friend who was a girl who was the same age who just— loved him like like and just played with him they were like best friends she didn't seem to treat him any differently than she did any of the other kids but it just like so touched her mom she posted on instagram of course it went viral and it was a sweet story but i just thought it was really remarkable and and i was really glad to hear that now they're just like integrating kids by age level not and not separating them by anything else so hats off to school districts doing that i love it uh the final kind of test we should mention that can get you in uh, as if you were in the military prior to 1980, you might be able to use your aptitude test that you took back then. Uh, now they do more vocational aptitude testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back pre-80, 
they would do intelligence testing and you can use some of those if you did. You want to take a break and then talk about what you do if you get into Mensa? Let's do it. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. That's right. It's even in the name. Use code STUFF20 at checkout to receive $20 off your first month. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Yep. Again, use promo code STUFF20 and you'll receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Save on wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Hey, everybody. Did you know that Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico? But it's more than just a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Yeah, that's right. It's an island that's filled with adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the entire United States. That's right. Or you can get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico that remind you of why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island, it becomes a part of you. That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Okay, Chuck. So um, 
let's see. If you get into Mensa, there's a lot of things people do. One thing people do is take the test, say I'm in Mensa, and like, you know, congratulate themselves for a couple of weeks, and that's it. Other people like join Mensa because they have this sense, and rightfully so, that they will probably meet a lot of people like them who are smart, probably really like games, really like trivia, really like Star Trek. That is not a stereotype that is for real. Um, Might be into nudism, might really love beer. Just stuff that you would have, like, uh, an interest in, but if you if you wanted to hang out with other high IQ people who have interests in that, you could do worse than joining Mensa, I think. Yeah. Um, you have to be an active member. You have to keep up with your dues, which are 79 bucks a year. Uh, and it's, they have not a sliding scale, but they have a, if you sign up for and pay multiple years at a time, you can get that number down by average and stuff like that. Uh, or you can pay for like a lifetime membership prorated by your age mm-hmm. if you want to pay all at once and save some money. But the dues are 79 bucks a year. And then, like you said, there are there are what they're called special interest groups if you want to um, drill down in your local area and be a member of like the Mensa Investment Club is a really popular one mm-hmm. where I imagine people sit around and talk about finances and smart ways to take care of your money. Um it's like any other, you know, local group that you, you know, there's probably a Mensa knitting group. Uh, it's oh, I just, guarantee you. <laughs> it's just that you're meeting with people that are like-minded and that they're all good at take their high IQ and they're good at taking those kind of tests. Right, right. And again, if you want some like unkind um, characterizations of, you know, what it's like at some of these, like you, you can just throw a rock on the internet and you'll find some article about somebody who like took the Mensa test and ended up at a Mensa meetup and now they're writing about it, but they're not really a member kind of thing. There's plenty of stuff out there, but suffice to say that like these are just, they're people who really like board games and really like um, uh, beer and are probably like really sexually active to a surprising degree. Um, And one thing I saw, Chuck, that seems to be genuine is that there is a kind of a libertarian right-leaning bent that seems to be fairly common in um, the Mensa world. Yeah, in the modern Mensa world, I've seen that in more places than one. Uh, and, you know, I like you said, someone will go to one of these conferences and then do a write-up about it and say, like, there was a lot of drinking late night. There was a lot of people hooking up. It's sort of like any conference you would go to. Uh, again, except they're made up of people that are good at taking this kind of test. Uh, but there there usually is some sort of mention of like, yeah, there seemed to be a sort of right-wing bent to uh, – and again, there's 150,000 members. So that's a generalization. But yeah. at least that's what's being written. Yeah. So um, the, uh, the, the big deal gathering that they have every year, the big conference, is called the Annual Gathering, the AG – um, last year they had one for, it was like a world gathering because it was the 75th anniversary of Mensa's founding. Um, and they had that in Houston of all places. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the 2022 one is coming up in July. It's at, uh, the Golden Nugget in Sparks, Reno, Nevada. <laughs> and they're having the Hidden Figures author, Margaret Lee Shatterly. Nice. Who's I think she is the um, keynote who's going to speak about hidden figures. There's also a drag show during a breakfast brunch, um, I probably on Saturday or Sunday. Um, and then the other thing they're going to do is drink, drink, play games, drink, 
<laughs> and drink, yeah. I think, is what what else is going to go on at the AG. It's really interesting. Uh, there are other smaller get-togethers. There's one called the uh, Colloquium, which is an annual thing. Uh, it's just one day. And it's, you know, they'll have, like, themed topics at this one, like crime scene intelligence would be one. Uh, there are Mind Games, which is a four-day board game extravaganza uh, where people, this is since 1990, they get together and play board games. And uh, your a game can actually qualify as Mensa Select on the label if they deem it so. So technically, the stuff you should know board game uh, might be played at the Mind Games conference, and it might even get that stamp one day. Yeah. You never know. Great. You never know. I mean, apples to apples got it, and our game is at least as popular as that. Yeah, Taboo got it. Yeah. Scattergories? <laughs> uh, and then there's Culture Quest. It's uh, obviously Mensa members are probably generally into stuff like trivia. And there's a trivia, Dave calls it a trivia throwdown, uh, where they play trivia games against one another. So one of the other um, things about Mensa that it's well known for at their meetups is that people will wear name tags. Um, third try, and the, <laughs> the there'll be a dot, a colored dot next to their um, their name, and depending on the color of the dot, it indicates how uh, welcoming they are toward hugs from other people. And this, by the way, is like. This has been going on for a while. This is kind of like a, a long-standing Mensa tradition. It's very forward-thinking. It is very forward-thinking because, frankly, we could all kind of use the green dots or the uh, hug dot system. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people – I'm a hugger, but a lot of people don't like to be hugged. And it's uh, it's one of these things I just learned in the past few years that, like, it, with, uh, with choosing what – you do with your body and what people do to your body that you shouldn't just go up and hug somebody. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, it's just not, some people genuinely don't like that kind of human contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not like I go up and just like tackle everyone I see. Like, I don't think I've ever, uh, I don't think I've ever been in a, situ- in a situation where I made someone uncomfortable or anything like that. But it, I, I, it's good to realize that like, yeah, not everyone is into the same level of human contact mm-hmm. and, you shouldn't put your norm on them. And they have a very elegant way of doing that with these green dots and yellow dots or red dots or blue dots. Yeah. Green is all hugs are welcome. Yellow is ask before hugging. Well, that's Chuck now. Red dot, <laughs> no hugs at all. That's you. Blue. Yeah. It should say burns like acid. <laughs> blue dot means I'm single. I, I think that means more than I'm single. You know so what I mean? I think that means like lead with your hips when you're hugging me, please. Yeah, I think so. So uh, what else, Chuck? What else do we have to say about Mensa? Well, I mean, I think we've talked about their image problem a bit. You, like you said, you can throw a rock on the internet and and open almost any article and you'll see someone bagging on Mensa uh, in kind of a snotty way. And I don't know, man, the more I read about it, the more I just thought, you know what? <laughs> these are probably, a lot of these people probably got teased growing up because they may be fairly bookish. And, uh, like, stop now. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you're adults. Don't continue this sort of bullying uh, in, in newspapers by saying, yeah, I went to these things. And it was a bunch of dorks playing board games and trying to get laid. Like, they literally say that stuff in these articles. They do. And so I don't think it's just uh, out of meanness. I think 
whether they're picking up on it um, uh, unconsciously or overtly, um, it's the people who write those kind of articles typically are not right-leaning. So they're picking up on that right-leaning undercurrent. And then they're also, they're also kind of pointing to like some uh, disturbing and alarming and just straight-up gross ideas that people from Mensa have supported over the years or at sure. least proposed. Um, and so like when you take a, a group that focuses on IQ and inherently suggests that some people are superior to others— that can lead you to all sorts of like unsavory rabbit holes. And some people on Mensa or that are part of Mensa are not afraid to like go down those rabbit holes and discuss yeah. them and talk about them. Free speech is a huge, huge um, thing among Mensans and they very much resent not being able to say whatever they want to say. Um, so it's a, it's, it's, with those articles, it's revealing there's like a culture clash between the person who's writing the article and the mensons that that are like the foil to them. That seems to be like the crux of those articles. Yeah, and there was a lot of news made um, kind of more recently when a comedian named Jamie Loftus, who, by the way, has a podcast on our network called The Bechtel mm -hmm. Cast. Mm -hmm. Great show, movie show. Yeah. Um, Jamie's a comedian who did a four-part episode called My Year in Mensa – where she joined Mensa, um, I think the story was sort of just took the uh, test one morning while hungover and then didn't have a good experience and became uh, the target. There's this Facebook group, a Mensa Facebook group that's unmoderated called Firehouse, uh, which can be very unkind. And I think she, uh, uh, Loftus had a bad experience there. And uh, again, with the sort of alt-right undercurrent. And so that's what the basis of that podcast was. So I'm certainly not defending that stuff, you know. So, yeah, I mean, no, anytime anybody's attacked online, that sucks. Um, but Dave, I think, kind of discovered, like, the genuine criticism that you could level against Mensa as a whole. And that is they're basing everything on IQ. And IQ right. tests test a certain kind of smartness. Completely leaves out things like emotional intelligence, street smarts. Creativity. Um, yeah, that kind of stuff. Like, um, it, like it, it's a group of people who do really well on aptitude tests. Who It's a society of people who do really well on aptitude tests and like the idea that they're joining the, the ranks of people who are in the top 2% of that group of people, that type of person. So um, it, it, the fact that it's it's kind of bandied about as like a, the, 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 the society for intelligent people um, – it, it kind of misses a lot, but he also points out that they don't build themselves as that. They build themselves as the high IQ society, which is a much narrower definition. And if you take it on its face value, then that makes sense. But most people out in the general public who hear about Mensa don't kind of differentiate between those two things. Right. And if you get 150,000 of any people together in a group, uh, you're going to have a couple of hundred that are pretty bad people that do bad things on Facebook. <laughs> Um, so it's like, I, I just have a, uh, a hard time sometimes when entire organizations get lumped in, uh, because of, and I don't want to say a few bad apples, but just the actions of, of what's clearly a minority. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Except Nazis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were nothing but bad apples. That's right. Uh, well, if you want to know more about Mensa, you can start poking around the internet. And uh, since I said you can start poking around the internet, that means it's time for listener mail. 
Uh, I'm going to call this a young listener. Uh, hey, guys, brand new listener to the show. I first heard about you through the new book, which I checked out of the library a day uh, the day before my baby was born. Uh, mm-hmm. After my husband returned to work, I was trying to figure out a way to get the baby to sleep and tried reading to her. So I picked up stuff you should know, hoping the soothing sound of my voice would lull her to sleep. And that is how my husband walked in on me reading about Jack of Orkian to a three-week-old and put a temporary moratorium on reading to her. Uh, I think that's probably a joke. Um, well, I was hooked, and now that I've returned to work, I'm going through the backlog of episodes and learning while in the car. Thanks for helping me get through that postpartum period, Jessica. That's fantastic. I'm glad you're bringing them up young, Jessica. Thank that's you right. very much. And congratulations on your little gift to the world. Yes, that's right. Uh, Well, if you want to be like Jessica and let us know about your late night um, readings or listenings or goings on or anything like that, or if you've had experiences in Mensa, if you're a member of Mensa, we want to hear from you. You can send us an email to stuffpodcasts at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. Childproofing people's homes is hard, but Duracell is making it just a bit simpler. Not only are they committed to educating parents, caregivers, and medical professionals about the importance of battery safety, they make the only lithium coin batteries with a non-toxic bitter coating to help discourage children from swallowing them. Duracell even features child-secure packaging designed to avoid accidental opening. Learn more at Duracell.com slash power safely. Available on 2032, 2025, and 2016 sizes. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.